This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world. Built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold. I hope everyone is doing great, ladies and gentlemen. If you have not had the opportunity to check out episode 135, please consider doing so. We had Wide Awake Jim back on the show, as you know. He was a CPA, he built a financial planning business, and then he got into oil and gas royalties in 2010, and he has been researching the climate change grift, the green energy grift, the climate change hustle, central bank digital currency, carbon credits, all this stuff, ladies and gentlemen, basically the building of the technocratic state that we find ourselves living in. And the advancement of that system into the future. Really going all the way to 2050 is what Wide Awake Jim is looking at. So it's great. He's been on uh, nine times, I believe. We have a lot more to cover. He's constantly reading books because he's staying on top of the things that will uh, affect the oil and gas industry that he's invested in. And so he's always researching, and he always comes here with a lot of knowledge, a lot of wisdom, uh, being in financial planning and having to deal with the federal government, IRS, you know, doing people's taxes. So he's got a lot to share, folks. So check out those episodes. A lot of you have emailed me and thanked me very much for those. Many of you have heard Jim on Mike Moore's Hotwire, which is an extension of the Thomas Paine podcast. And so now you got to see Jim in full form sharing all of his research, all of his highlighted material, and then analyzing all that stuff on the fly for you. So I thank you very much for reaching out. We'll continue to do those shows as jim has a lot more to share also i always pick his brain off air about investment vehicles safe investments as we're moving into 
sort of unpredictable times with central bank digital currency coming, this new worldwide financial structure. So I'm always picking his brain, trying to figure out where my wife and I could move some money around, what we should we invest in, what are safer investments, all towards helping us build our goal of getting our hands on this homestead. So I'm going to start to do some shows with Jim where we will help folks navigate the crazy world of investments, how to make more money faster, be able to build that uh, that cash lump sum that you're going to need if you're looking to buy a piece of property in a homestead. That's what I'm focused on. So I think Jim could bring that to the table. So I'm in the process of talking to him about this, how we could shape those shows, how he could do it in a way where he doesn't get himself in trouble because he's not a licensed financial advisor or planner anymore. So he wants to be careful. Me, on the other hand, I'm not either. I don't really care. I host a podcast and I'm trying to help people figure out creative ways to get themselves out of this hellhole that we find ourselves living in here, the technological technocracy matrix system. All right, folks, just like this morning, I had to enter the matrix with my wife. She got a flat tire and I saw a piece of metal stuck in the tread because I changed the tire and put the donut on. So we went down to the tire place I've used. I bought tires from they're really good, good price. I sent her there last year and so we went today and it looks like it's a whole new staff i don't know what's going on folks everyone seems like they are walking around with chemo brain which many believe is the side effects of the jab people just are moving slower their thinking is not as clear they seem to have a hard time actually holding a conversation i know it was bad before covid land the high school theater production but now it just seems even worse. People are moving at a snail's pace. Nobody seems to be uh, in a rush anymore to get things done. So I just had to sit there for the last two or three hours waiting to get this uh, tire changed. And um, it was just, it was a real pain. I, I hate stepping into the matrix. I really do. But sometimes you have to do it, folks. Sometimes you have to do it. What we're going to do tonight is we're going to continue with industrial society and its future. Many of you out there have figured out who the author of this paper is. You have reached out to me and you said, I know who wrote this. I read this many years ago. And some people went and started looking up the title of the paper and came back and said they know who it is. That's great, folks. That means you're doing research on your own. And if that is what I've sparked you to do, then I am proud of that, folks, because I want people to go out and research this material on your own. If you don't have time, I hope that you are developing trust in me, that I am providing you with fact-based analysis of the history of this system, uh, this system in its present form, and this system in the future. And you will hopefully be able to navigate your life and make better decisions based on what we're doing here at the Dustin Gold Standard. So I'll continue down this path for you folks. All right, so let's pick back up. I don't want to waste a lot of time because I'm going to try to get this document done over the next couple of shows. Uh, and then we're going to have some guests coming on. And then from this, we're going to move into another 1995 
paper, actually a book by Anthony Sutton on the Federal Reserve, the Wide Awake Jim recommend we read because he said it answered a lot of questions for him as he's been going through the process of awakening to the technocratic system. So we're going to review that in between a lot of guest interviews that we have lined up, ladies and gentlemen. So let's jump right back into Industrial Society and its Future, this 1995 paper. If you remember, we are on section Uh, which is technology is a more powerful social force than the aspiration for freedom. And we worked ourselves down to paragraph 131. For those of you who are just joining in, the author uh, puts a paragraph number between each paragraph. And I think that's great uh, because it'll be easier for you if you download this book or you get a hold of the book or the paper or you find the pdf you can look up industrial society and its future pdf and you'll be able to find this i recommend downloading it so that you have a copy and then if you want to look up certain passages uh off of um, listening to the podcast i say the paragraph number at the beginning of each paragraph so it makes it easy for you to look it up so let's start with paragraph 131 i'm not going to go backwards as i've said on the other shows if i go backwards then we're never going to get this finished paragraph 131 technicians we use this term in its broad sense to describe all those who perform a specialized task that requires training tend to be so involved in their work which is their surrogate activity that when a conflict arises between their technical work and freedom they almost always decide in favor of their technical work and, and, and let me just bring this up. It's interesting because today, JMal on Twitter, uh, he has been a guest on the Thomas Paine podcast, I believe on the Hotwire. I've talked to him a few times on the phone. He's working on some presentation that he wants to come present here on the Dustin Gold Standard. Uh, but I saw him pop in actually it wasn't it didn't originate with him it originated with legal man of the podcast the quash somebody had posted a question about whether or not the military would turn against the people the citizens you folks out there at the orders of joe biden now this is um a question that has been asked since i was interested in politics since i got involved 15 years ago uh, even back under George W. Bush, you know, would the military turn against the folks if the folks rose up against illegal immigration and went down and tried to secure the border? And we've heard this time and time again. And it, it is my opinion, ladies and gentlemen, the military will always turn against the people. The military, first off, is not a monolith, but at the same time, you are trained to follow orders. You are an enforcer for the system. You are a robot when you're in the military. You're not allowed to think for yourself. You take orders, you follow orders, then you look at the brass. They're just politicians with medals. You look at all the illegal wars we fought over the last 250 years. The military did that. Look at all the Frankenstein doctors, the transhumanists, the technocrats inside of the military. Look at the military budget when it's funding all of this technocracy from uh, Peter Thiel, Elon Musk, and others. The military-industrial complex. So to think that the military is not going to turn against the people if ordered by joe biden or donald trump or you know jesus christ if he was president of the united states the military is going to do what they do 
the vast majority went and got vaccinated when they were told they had to get the jab, which isn't strange because when you're in the military and you're going to go overseas to fight a war, you have to get all kinds of vaccines. So they're used to that, folks. So it's not that I think they're even going to turn the military against us. I don't believe that's actually going to happen. I don't believe they need to. Uh, Once central bank digital currency is in place, they just turn your wallet off. They turn off your ability to move from uh, quadrant to quadrant within the technique. That's how it's going to work. They don't need to do it with guns. But look at the military, specially trained force of folks. And when put up against the technical work or their work, and they work obviously in different fields inside the military, versus freedom, they're going to choose their work. They're going to choose their work. It's just the way it is. And then all of these people uh, operating inside of corporations, inside of other government departments, inside of government contractors, which is a majority of these companies now, programmers that work inside Silicon Valley, of course they're going to choose their work over freedom. Do you think someone is going to stand up inside the office and say, no, I'm not programming that because this program is going to hurt freedom? First, they don't even understand what that means. And second off, they're going to choose their job. Uh, The vast majority of people are. Let's continue. This is obvious in the case of scientists, but it also appears elsewhere. Educators, humanitarian groups, conservation organizations do not hesitate to use propaganda or other psychological techniques to help them achieve their laudable ends. Corporations and government agencies, when they find it useful, do not hesitate to collect information about individuals without regards to their privacy. Law enforcement agencies are frequently inconvenienced by the constitutional rights of suspects and often of completely innocent persons, and they do whatever they can do legally or sometimes illegally to restrict or circumvent those rights. Most of the educators, government officials, and law enforcers believe in freedom privacy and constitutional rights but when these conflict with their work they usually feel that their work is more important again that ties right in there the military i gave as an example but look at all these other folks and i would say back in 1995 you had more people reciting the bumper sticker slogans of freedom privacy constitutional rights than you actually see today I think 28 years later, we have removed ourselves even further from the ideas of freedom, privacy, and constitutional rights. Since 95, you had the Patriot Act, you had a lot of other issues that have come up that have pushed freedom, privacy, and constitutional rights to the back burner. Not that they weren't in 95, but they are even more so today. Let's continue. Paragraph 132, it is well known that people generally work better and more persistently when striving for a reward than when attempting to avoid a punishment or negative outcome. And the reward system is what we would call gamification. I've covered that here on the Dust and Gold Standard. We actually tied gamification into the gig worker world, of which 65 million people in the United States are doing gig work either part or full time. And I believe those systems are actually test pilots for the gamification applications that will come out from the government in the future. Basically, uh, be a good citizen type app that's tied into your digital ID and your CBDC wallet. 
Let's continue. Scientists and other technicians are motivated mainly by the rewards they get through their work. But those who oppose technological invasions of freedom are working to avoid a negative outcome. Consequently, there are few who are persistently and well at this discouraging task. If reformers ever achieved a signal victory that seemed to step up a solid barrier against further erosion of freedom through technical progress, most would tend to relax and turn their attention to more agreeable pursuits. But the scientists who remain busy in their laboratories and technology as it progresses would find ways, in spite of any barriers, to exert more and more control over individuals and make them always more dependent on the system. And this rings true for a lot of things, folks. Take me, for example, or you, for example. And I've had a lot of trouble actually trying to figure out over the last 15 years what I was going to do, how I could market what I was doing in order to feed my family while I was fighting against corruption or while I'm fighting against technology destroying freedom. When you stand on the side that says no, right, no to what the mainstream, what the system, what the state wants to accomplish, there's not a whole lot of opportunity to actually earn a living. You're telling people to resist something, to resist something. So you have to show them why this thing, whatever it may be, this technology in this case, is going to destroy their freedom. But then you have to make them understand what freedom is, what freedoms they are giving up, and why they shouldn't give up those freedoms for perceived convenience being provided by the technology. So you're actually always fighting back against something instead of being for something. If I used my ability to explain this stuff and ran a podcast that was pro-technology, pro-artificial intelligence, pro-robots, pro-replacing humanity, I probably could make a ton of money. I could probably get some branch-off organization funded by a Peter Thiel Elon Musk to pay me to sit online and talk about how great technocracy is, how fantastic the system is going to be. But when I sit here and warn you about it, and I'm going against the grain, trying to push back and resist against something that 99% of the world welcomes, it's very difficult to uh, build a following and figure out how to put food on your table even though you're trying to do the right thing which is fight on the side of freedom against a system that wants to take freedom away think about that ladies and gentlemen i'll be right back this is dust to go with the dust to gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dust and gold standard on pain.tv Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. All right, folks, let's take a look at this again, because this is rather important. Again, it says scientists and other technicians are motivated mainly by the rewards they get through their work. But those who oppose technological invasions of freedom are working to avoid a negative outcome. 
Consequently, there are few who work persistently and well at this discouraging task, right? So that would be myself actually working to do it. You listening, preaching to your friends, you're working to try to stop what you see as a negative outcome. Not just in the future, but we see it here today. Let's just look at the example of what I mentioned yesterday, this documentary idea that's being floated around between Wide Awake Jim and Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast on Fridays, and myself, right? A documentary to show all the freedoms that we've lost just from the 1970s to now, and then showing people the freedoms you're going to lose between now and 2050. But you're trying to warn people against something that there are a lot more people working towards building. There are more people trying to build it than trying to stop it. It says if reformers ever achieved a single victory that seemed to set up a solid barrier against further erosion of freedom through technical progress, most would tend to relax and turn their attention to more agreeable pursuits. Now, think about all of the hundreds of examples we've talked about here on the Dust and Gold Standard and then multiply that by thousands, right? So every little single piece of the technocracy that's being built, let's say we just pick one thing. One fire to go after, and this is why I told you folks, chasing fires is a waste of your time. So let's say we just chase one fire. Now, within Neuralink, Elon Musk brain chip, there are thousands of elements inside there. But let's just take Neuralink. Let's say we set our sights on that. We worked hard on it. We had a million followers online, and we stopped it. And Elon Musk says, that's it. I am closing Neuralink. We are no longer going to pursue the brain chip. But on top of it, there are five, six, seven, eight, twelve other companies working on a brain chip. They're working on the brain chip inside the government through the brain initiative out of DARPA. So we would stop one thing. It could take us 10 years to fight that one issue and stop it. Meanwhile, there's at least a dozen other companies doing it and the government's doing it. On top of it, there are still millions of other elements of the technocracy and transhumanism being built. So we could spend all this time fighting these individual issues, and in the end, you end up with no results. And as the author points out, then we'd relax. We'd take a vacation. Uh, it's like completing a big job at work, and then you, you take a couple days off. You go, oh, we beat Elon Musk and Neuralink. Let's take a break. Meanwhile, as he says, scientists remain busy in their laboratories and technology as it progresses would find ways, in spite of any barriers, to exert more and more control over individuals and make them always more dependent on the system. And, and this is why, whether you're fighting Marxists or you're fighting progressives or you're fighting socialists or communists or fascists or you're fighting against the banking system or you're fighting against the climate change hustle, no matter what it is that you're actually fighting, the side that's trying to make it happen are backed by the bankers. They have millions of people working 24-7, 365 at growing the system, expanding the system to the point of total worldwide digital slavery. They're constantly working while we are just fighting against one thing. That's why I've said I, I believe the realistic approach is to wake up those that I know who are interested in this. They want to understand what's going on. They want to step outside of the system and teaching them, one, that they should and they could, and then two, eventually how to actually do it.
how to do it. And then those of us who want to withdraw from the system can withdraw from the system, uh, but we're not going to actually change the system. I, I just always think about how large it is. How are you going to change central bank digital currency uh, thinking that you're going to fight the bank for international settlements, international monetary fund, the World Bank, all the central banks. I mean, this huge international monetary system. How are you going to stop that? Now, individual people can figure out how to work around it, right? And that's how you would draw from the system to the point where, let's say, they make it impossible. But you have to change the culture. And the only way you can change the culture is to try to do what I'm doing and talk about it and explain it. And hopefully people like you will hear it. You'll bring it home. You'll talk about it to your kids at Christmas, your grandkids, and you will try to change the actual culture. But to think we're going to fight Bank for International Settlements that's obviously not going to happen, folks. It's not going to happen. They'll keep churning. So we could work all of our energy. We could do it Saul Linsky style and go fight one issue, and it'll take you 10 years. It's, it's like winning a lawsuit. Right? You can go spend 10 years and $100,000 on a lawyer, win a lawsuit, and at the end of the day, 500 other things occurred while you were fighting that lawsuit that continued to advance whatever it is you were trying to stop with that one lawsuit. All right, let's continue. Paragraph 133. And and let me point this out, too, uh, right now. One of the big things that I have seen over the last 15 years, I've studied it. I don't talk a lot about it. Uh, Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast on Fridays, also talks about this, and she studies it. And she doesn't share most of what she studied because it just blows people's mind. The level of controlled opposition... Uh, misinformation agents, disinformation agents that are out there, especially in technocracy, once your eyes are open to technocracy and you're truly unplugged from the matrix, you will see it. So there's folks right now uh, in various sort of sectors and niches in this industry that you think are doing the same thing I am and speaking out against elements of technocracy, the financial system, uh, transhumanism. But if you actually listen to them, they are doing nothing more than driving folks back into the system because they won't tell the truth, which is one, you have to withdraw. They make people believe that you're going to fight the the main system, which is not going to happen. I, I'm just, I'm sorry. If, if someone believes that could actually be done, reach out to me. You could come on the show. We'll talk about it. I just don't believe that could be done. Or number two, what they're going to do is they're going to start to say, well, there's good elements of technology, and so we can't get rid of XYZ technology. We have to get rid of the bad parts. So they'll pretend they're there to reform it. So, for instance, let's say facial recognition scanning all over the place. I would call for, it's not going to happen, but I would call for banning that technology altogether. What they will say is, yes, it's bad that it's scanning all the so-called law-abiding folks' faces. Let's reform it. Let's ask Congress, let's lobby them to pass a bill that says it'll only scan bad people's faces. Well, in the end, they didn't fight back against the technology and say, get rid of it. They forced you into this funnel and drove you down the road of believing you're going to separate the good from the bad, when in the end, the whole goal of what they were doing was to get you to accept it. 
All right. There's plenty of those folks out there. As you start to see more and more political folks, people that are grifting, folks that are shills, folks that are misinformation, disinformation, controlled opposition, start to take notice. They are the ones that will say to you, transhumanism is bad, uh, screwing uh, robotic arms onto humans is bad, unless we're doing it for good reasons, like repairing a soldier who had his arm blown off. They are just driving you down the path to the continuation of transhumanism, getting you to accept it because they tug at your heartstrings and they play to human emotion. I'm telling you. Try to look at it through this lens. You will be blown away. Most of the people that you see out there are actually controlled opposition. Or they are controlled opposition without knowing they are or signing a contract to be controlled opposition. They would be uh, naive. But I don't believe that because most of these people appear to be very intelligent. So if they've done half the studying on this than I have, they would realize that what they're doing is driving people further into technocracy. Maybe I'll do a show and I'll break this down for you and show you what controlled opposition looks like. All right, let's continue. Paragraph 133, no social arrangements, whether laws, institutions, customs, or ethical codes can provide permanent protection against technology. There you go. No social arrangements, whether laws, institutions, customs, or ethical codes can provide permanent protection against technology. History shows that all social arrangements are transitory. They all change or break down eventually. But technological advances are permanent within the context of a given civilization. Suppose, for example, that it were possible to arrive at some social arrangements that would prevent genetic engineering from being applied to human beings or prevent it from being applied in such a way as to threaten freedom and dignity. Still, the technology would remain waiting. See, that's what I was just telling you there. Sooner or later, the social arrangement would break down probably sooner, given the pace of change in our society. And this is written 28 years ago. Society moves at an even uh, faster pace now. Then genetic engineering would begin to invade our sphere of freedom. And this invasion would be irreversible, short of a breakdown of technological civilization itself. As I said, that would be somewhat like divine intervention, like a solar flare that blew out all the satellites and all the power grids. Let's continue. Any illusions about achieving anything permanent through social arrangements should be dispelled by what is currently happening with environmental legislation. A few years ago, it seemed that there were secure legal barriers preventing at least some of the worst forms of environmental degradation, a change in the political wind, and those barriers begin to crumble. So you understand what the author is talking about there. Sort of a social pact. For instance, we are going to have... 
you know, human enhancements. But those enhancements will only be deemed to be ethical if they are used to bring someone's functions back to what would be considered to be normal. So let's say Dustin has 20-20 vision and then his left eye blows out. Well, we're going to bring back his left eye. But in the case of Dustin with two normal eyes, we're not going to give him Hawkeyes so he can see further. So you make this social arrangement, this social pact that says we're only going to use it to bring back someone's function to normal. We're not going to use it to further enhance someone and turn them into a Marvel superhero. Well, all you have to do now is socially engineer society and the culture within 5, 10, 15 years. Now, all of a sudden, you've continued to build the technology just under the guise that you were going to keep it locked down for only those uh, controlled purposes, limited purposes. And now, all of a sudden, the technology is there and you get the public to go along with implanting Hawkeyes in folks. You see, that's why if you're going to create these social packs, they're going to erode and technology is going to continue to advance. Paragraph 134, for all of the foregoing reasons, technology is a more powerful social force than the aspiration for freedom. But this statement requires an important qualification. It appears that during the next several decades, the industrial technological system, also known as technocracy, folks, will be undergoing severe stresses due to economic and environmental problems, and especially due to problems of human behavior, alienation, rebellion, hostility, a variety of social and psychological difficulties. I think we saw a lot of that, especially during COVID land, the high school theater production goes on to say, we hope that the stresses through which the system is likely to pass will cause it to break down or at least will weaken it sufficiently so that a revolution against it becomes possible. If such a revolution occurs and is successful, then at then at that particular moment, the aspiration for freedom will have proved more powerful than technology. Now, what he's saying here, the author is saying here, is he hopes to see that the system, the technological system, becomes so overstressed, right, that it begins to weaken, it begins to break down to the point then where the folks will uh, revolt against the system, proving that this quest for freedom is more powerful than the growth of technology, I will explain that further when we get back from the break. My name is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. 